our philosophy is all customer care must, must <laughs> include social listening. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 73. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. So I remember being sat in a restaurant with you for your birthday, I think last year or something like that. And you went to tweet on Twitter, obviously, because that's where you tweet. That is where you tweet. About the fact that this restaurant had no chicken left in and somebody in our group only eats chicken. Yes. And just as you were about to fire out that tweet, yes. somebody, the waitress came back out of the kitchen and said, it's okay, they found some chicken. They did. And I reckon the reason that happened is because they heard me bitching and moaning about the fact I was going to get on Twitter. I think it's because your thumbs were tapping so hard on the screen. (laughs) They probably heard, he's tweeting. Go to Sainsbury's, he's tweeting. He's going to Sainsbury's, (laughs) he's tweeting. Hey, this is Robin Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. Dead pleased to be here. That is the power of social media, though. You've got a couple of thousand followers. Then people know that you you can have an influence over a really large a really large audience, which could affect lots of different things. We're not just talking about affecting sales, but in the employee situation here, we're talking about people's jobs. And people fix stuff really, really quickly, don't they, on social. And today, when we're speaking to Brooke, we're going to be talking about shifting the the, the customer support element away from traditional email and support desks and actually dealing with it almost 100% through social media channels. It's a really great conversation. I mean, just fairly recently, I even posted about it on Facebook and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to have a complaint or a dig, but there's a really big, well-known email marketing platform who sent yes. out an email mm. and they accidentally put the little merge code in. So it didn't say, hi, name. Rob. It said, it's hi, first name. Exactly. So I took a screenshot of it and I sort of said, oh, they should really know better and posted it on Facebook. And it was all meant very tongue in cheek. You know, we've all done it actually. Mm -hmm. I wasn't having a go particularly, Uh, but they did come and comment on it. They found it and commented and said, oh, looks like we're having a case of the Mondays because it was a Monday when it happened. And just (laughs) a little bit of personality and it was dealt with. What do you think about when these these brands, if you have a bit of a whinge, uh, actually use personality? I know it's something we do talk about with with Brooke in a moment, but I remember I was on a train once for the a certain train provider here in the UK. We're all being very vague in this episode so as to not complain. <laughs> yeah, complaints. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're talking negatively about things, it's better not to, to, yeah. to name people. So, um, shout out politeness, really, and, and legal reasons. But uh, I was having a bit of a bitch. I was having a bit of a complaint about, oh, this is awful. And they got back to me with, again, some quite nice, lighthearted thing. And it really diffused the situation. But you do have to be kind of I careful. I think it depends on the seriousness of the conversation, doesn't yeah. it? So yeah. it's like, oh, well, I bought it. The arms hanging out off because <laughs> yes. you shut the train door. Oh, lol, you better go to the second hand shop. <laughs> Don't drink too much or you'll be legless as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, haha, lol, bands. It's not really going to work then, is it? But um, have you ever seen that go backfired? Have you ever seen it like actually go out of, out of control? I'm sure it has. It Somewhere in the history done. of customer. So tweet us. If, you, if you've had that happen or you've seen it happen or you've even just seen a meme of it, and it might even be hashtag fake news. If you've seen customer support go a little bit pear-shaped, I would genuinely love to hear about that. Because that's a funny thing. That, that is a funny thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll pop it up on the old. But on the I old. think there's a really important conversation to be had here. Because I mean, I was, I was literally writing, if I even say this in the episode, but I'll briefly say it again now, just to give you a sense of deja vu in about 15 minutes. <laughs> um, Thanks, mate. <laughs> but there's a, there was a bit of copy I was writing the other day for a funnel where I, for a non-marketing, non-business niche, where these people don't deal with this stuff all the time. Yeah. And they're mostly an older demographic. And I said, just send an email to this email address and a support ticket would 
would be open and somebody will reply. And, and I was thinking, they don't really know what that means. So now I'm, you have to like go to work out what a support ticket is. I made a demonstration <laughs> video here. And suddenly you're like doing a, a sales presentation. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, people reply to an email and that's set up to open a support ticket in our support desk. And they get an email back going, Thanks for your email. We've opened a support ticket for you there. And they weren't really expecting a reply. No, and they don't know what that is. They don't know what that means. It is kind of so strange quite in this day and age. And is. equally, if they tweet at you or throw something out on social, they've almost just like put a message in a bottle and then chucked it out into the middle of the ocean. And if you're not looking for it, or, you're not, or, you, or at least you're not set up to reply to that, mm. problem.com. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever had any funny complaints? Like, have you ever made any funny complaints or received any? I once saw a tweet from somebody saying, yeah, the performer was quite good, but he wasn't quite tall enough. And it has no context. It's just, he wasn't quite tall. Was that, did that mean for his suit or his, did his trousers? I don't know what it meant. How but- picky. How picky. I know, I know. It is really interesting. Before we head into the episode, we're going to go over into Rob's or ever so inspirational quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, clear keys are the sign of a glowing mantle. Aren't they just though? I never really thought about it in that way before. Till you, till you say it. It sounds obvious when you say it, doesn't it? It really does sound obvious when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> when you just speak it out loud. <laughs> so when it... Uh, oh, one quick, one quick favor we've got to ask you. Uh. See, we're trying to get some more reviews for the podcast. Yes. Because those reviews help us to get more people to listen to the podcast. And that's why we're doing the podcast. So if the three marketers walking up the podcast had just 10 reviews, you could change their lives forever. It's like a charity appeal. It is. So we'd love, if you haven't already, uh, to go and leave us a little review. And if you have left one months ago and uh, you want to go and tell them how excellent we are again, you can probably do that. Uh, just head over to responsesweek.com forward slash iTunes to do it through the Apple podcast magic. Um, or if you want to do it on Stitcher or a different platform, I'm sure you I like can do the Google, that too. I'm, I'm really into the Google podcasting app. There is only one thing I wish was a little better. Uh, and maybe I'll tweet them about it. Can you get, get that? I'm guessing you can't get that for iPhone. I'm guessing that's the Android. Uh, you know, I think you probably can. I think you probably can. The only thing is it doesn't play the next podcast episode. Or at least I've not been able to figure it out. If anybody's figured out to make it like I hit play on one episode and then I want it to play the next one and keep going like iTunes. If you're driving or something, that's a bit you, of a yeah, nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm like lying in bed, like snoozing off to them or whatever, or I'm like in the shower or whatever. Because I play them on like double speed and it's like a pretty short podcast. So if anybody's figured that bit out, would you please tweet us at response I'd like to know how on earth I do that. Oh, and if anybody here is wishing that they had a little bit more success with their email marketing. Yeah, we've got something for you. We're actually hosting a free web class where we're going to teach you the secrets that we use to double our email marketing sales. You made that sound very dramatic. In a world where email is better. Where your email is better than your voiceover skills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what you need to do is uh, to go and register for this free web class. We're teaching like three steps to this amazing campaign that we use to double our sales with email. Uh, so, so powerful. Just head over to responsesuite.com forward slash webinar and you'll be able to join us for this web class we're doing. Just get yourself registered and we'll see you on the class. We're looking, really looking forward to that. But now, without further ado, let's speak to Brooke Sellers. From New Jersey via Texas, it's Brooke Sellers. How are you doing? Hello, hello. How are you guys? Doing good. Very excited to be here. Indeed. Uh, from this side of the pond, from Newcastle via this podcast. There you <laughs> <Yes>. go. <laughs> by, from your left ear via your right ear. 
<laughs> in which case your headphones are broken. Uh, Brooke, welcome to the Three Marketers Walking Up podcast. This is going to be cool. Now, obviously, you help amazing businesses to do better customer support, right? And customer care stuff. So let's talk about how that's changed. Because I feel like for a lot of businesses, that's something that's really still stuck in the past. Yeah, we've all been just using like support desks or using old-fashioned email. But we've been hanging out and talking about how that's really changed for the modern audience, hasn't it? Definitely. I mean, if you think about younger generations, they're not really going to call your support line and sit and listen to your cheesy music while they wait for an answer. They're not going to email your support team. And oftentimes they're even getting away from using like um, like a Zendesk or a support desk kind of mm -hmm. um, software. What they're doing is they're going to social. They're more apt to complain and they want an answer immediately and they want to like let everybody in their social sphere know that they're upset with you. And when you say the younger generation, Brooke, who are we talking about? Are we talking about, this is like your 18 to 25, is, that, is it that younger? Are we, still, are we talking about a bit more than that? Yeah, I think it's the younger 18 to 25, but I think also millennials can be included in that group as well. Um, especially like the, what they're calling the mommy millennials, um, okay. which are some of the younger millennial groups. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's a widespread age group. Um, if you think about going from 18 to say, even like mid thirties mm -hmm. who are using social as a channel. And I've even seen, you know, older people, I won't call out any names or ages, but I've seen older people go to complain as well. I'm sure you have too on Twitter if, if an airline's delayed or somebody's um, package gets messed up by Amazon, where do they go to make that complaint? Most often it's Twitter. Right. And do you think Twitter is becoming like the most complained on channel <laughs> that there is? <laughs> like, should it be called, I don't know, uh, should it be called you're a, twin? You're a twit. <laughs> twit. Yeah. It's called twins, you know. I was waiting to see where you were going with that. You see, I did that. I moved carefully and very, very precociously. <laughs> yeah, Twitter, Twitter does seem like a place where people go and complain. I'm peed off about something like, you know, the flight's delayed or something, you know, I get bad service from someone. I'm sure I'm going, ah, oh, what a bunch of morons. What the hell? Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think Twitter, yes, is definitely a place where people go to complain because Twitter, Twitter seems more instantaneous than, say, like Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Right. Usually, the response rate on Twitter seems to be much more conversational, much more back and forth. It happens much faster. So I feel like that's the go-to place. But in the work that we've done, I mean, complaints come from all over the place. And depending on how the brand is represented and, and which channel they're most represented on, that's where most of their complaints could happen. So for instance, one of our uh, retail brands, their heaviest channel for responses and complaints is Instagram. Really? Instagram? Are they a fashion? So are they doing a lot of fashion types? Yes, correct. Yep. That's yeah. And that's because that's where their market is already. Is that right? Exactly. So their audience is primarily female. It's primarily young females. And so that is kind of their um, main channel. They are on other channels, obviously, but that's kind of where their audience sits. And that's where most of their both positive things like purchases happen as well as negative things, meaning complaints. And when looking at across all of our channels and thinking about, okay, we, maybe we'll shift our, our, our support away from a traditional support desk type solution. There's lots of them out there and great ones too, you know, great, great bits of kit, great bits of technology, which we rely on, sure, for sure. When, how do we start to decide which channel we, we start doing that support through? For example, as you said, if for some companies, if you're a fashion or a, a retail with a, with a high fashion sort of level, 
business and, and customer base, then you might meet your customers where they already are, which in this case is on Instagram. Whereas there might be a, a case in point for meeting them over at Twitter versus meeting them over at, at Facebook. Do we always have to meet them where they are? Or do you think we should sort of direct that by saying, hey, if you've got a support issue, it's Twitter and here's how you do it. I think it's most important to meet them where they are, right? Because it's, it's a massive undertaking to try to get a crowd of people who aren't really connected in any other way than other than, you know, through your brand um, and move them somewhere else. And one of the ways we kind of figure this out or help our clients figure this out is by using social listening for us. That's using Sprout Social, which is a tool that provides us with, with social listening. Mm -hmm. And so these reports can help us understand where the most conversation is happening, where all of the sentiment is happening and what kinds of sentiment are happening. So we can see, for instance, with that one client that um, most of the conversation is happening on Instagram and that 25% of it is negative. And we can even drill down and find out what they're complaining about the most so that we can actually turn around to the client and say, you know, this particular necklace, the clasp constantly breaks. You might need to go back to, um, you know, to R&D or, or, or to your um, developer or whoever it may be and figure out a different class for this, mm. for this necklace. And we should see sentiment, you know, uh, go up. And do you typically recommend having like a separate social channel to handle the support? So for example, our Twitter over at Response Suite is just at Response Suite, but we might have at Response Suite help or something in order to do that. In order to, do you try and move people away from your normal one and onto this special one? Or do you just use the same channel typically? Um, it depends on the client. So every client for us is different. We are helping a lot of clients with customer care in uh, retail, um, consumer goods, finance. So it really just depends on on their um, key performance indicators and goals and what they're trying to achieve. So with some clients, yes, it's a totally separate channel. And with other clients, no, it all happens in one place. And really, you know, we don't try to make that decision for the client. We can help guide them. But I mean, there's no real difference in having it on one channel versus the other. You're still getting the negative sentiment around your brand and your products, um, you know, if there is negative sentiment. So I don't, I don't think there's like a benefit to uh, moving it to different channels unless, you know, you have different teams set up to handle just the support channel and then just the brand channel. For most of us who are have been around, you know, a little while, and we've got these support desks already switched, already already tuned in, already set up. What is what's the new process going to look like? If we're now thinking, do you know what it is? I love what Brooke's saying. I really get it. I think it makes perfect sense. I think I want to move to this model. What does that What does that flow look like? If you want to make it almost look like a funnel that we're all so bloody used to. If we, want, we now have a customer who's purchased, let's say they bought a lovely, fantastic new online course about how to do your hair like Kennedy's, which is obviously a great, very, very highly sought after course. Lots of refunds though. Lots, yeah, but then there's loads of people who are like, Christ, I don't want to do that. It looks horrendous. I look like, you know, that woman, um, Ellen, De Ellen DeGeneres. That's that right. woman. That, I can't believe her name. I was like, oh, what's that woman's face? Name. Great. So... You get you got the people, and they want to get they want to get support now. They want to ask a question about it, or they want to they've got a problem. They need to get in touch with support. They're unhappy for some reason. They're not satisfied. At the moment, the process looks like this in my head. For most of my most of my customers who need to get in touch, they go to wherever they logged in to get that video training, and they click on the support tab, and now they're in the support desk, and they fill out a form. That's what the, that sort of process looks like, and now they receive an email response. That's the flow from start to finish. What does that new flow look like? I love that you call it a flow because that 
you're right on the money. We, we actually build out what we call custom response workflows. Mm -hmm. And so again, for every client, it's different depending on their goals, their KPIs, you know, what they're trying to achieve. Do they have support channels? Do they just have email? Do they have like a Zen desk or a fresh desk? Um, and we work with the client to build out those custom response workflows. So I'll give you an example for one of our financial clients, their key performance indicator with us is actually for us to handle all of what they call green level responses. So they weight all of the um, tags or responses that they get as green level, uh, yellow and red. Okay. Green is obviously easy, like mm-hmm. you know, information that, that an outsource team like B Squared could easily handle. Mm-hmm. Yellow and red are obviously um, more involved. And, we, and since it's a finance company, we would need to get the internal team involved. So our goal with them and, and the way we built out their customer response for workflow was for B squared, the outsourced team to handle all of the green, handle some of the yellows, the ones that we could, and then pass the difficult yellows, we'll call them oranges and reds <laughs> to the internal team because what they wanted to do as a financial institution, which we all know they don't have very good um, ratings on social was to be able to have that one-on-one face-to-face customer time for people who were having problems and let somebody else handle the easy peasy stuff. So like we handle the layups, they still handle the difficult stuff, but we've provided them time, valuable time back on their plate to be able to talk to the customer one-on-one, fix the problems and hopefully retain a loyal customer. Right. Absolutely. So let's take a look at the practical, pragmatic way of actually setting this up if you want to do that. And then I want to talk about changing channel and stuff in a second as well. But so for me, now someone has had this problem, they're going to click on support. Are we at that point just going to have a thing which says, click here to tweet? Like, what does that look like in a real practical sense in terms of if we want to now decide, we've got, we know, no, we're now converted to the, the holy grail of Brooke right now, <laughs> um, in, in, you know, into the B squared philosophy. And that is, we're going to tear up our, our, our classic traditional support desk solution cut that out, save ourselves a couple of quid a month, negligible amount, uh, and instead replace it with social channels. Like, how does that work in a sort of practical way? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to tear up your traditional way. You can still have like, you know, email support here. Or, you know, if you want a, you know, quicker response, our Twitter office hours are Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday. I mean, we do work seven days a week. So for us, it's, you're offering that extra time. So it's Monday through Sunday. And instead of nine to five, it could be eight to 10 PM. Right. So you're offering those extra hours. And then, I mean, me personally, I'm going to see that and I'm going to be like, huh, it's 8 PM. I still have two hours. So I'm going to reach out via Twitter and um, put my, re- my uh, request in there. And then we actually have humans who are monitoring those um, inboxes and the human on our side will get back and answer the question according to the customer response fl- workflow. Or if we can't answer the question, we will say, you know, hi, this is Carrie. Um, thank you so much for reaching out. You know, here's the solution to your problem. Or we're going to have to send you to someone internally. That's probably going to be Brooke. And she'll be able to get back to you tomorrow. So we also set up like time frames, which we uh-huh. work with the client to be very quick. So if, if we get that 8 p.m. Um, complaint that mm-hmm. in, somebody internally has to handle, we have a system that we then put through, maybe using like a Zendesk or a Freshdesk to the internal team. And then they know that they need to handle it the next day. 
And that's massive, isn't it? Because one of the things, nobody, one of the biggest things is that just keeping that communication open, letting them know yes. that you haven't just tweeted into the black hole of the internet. Yes, yes, that's the biggest thing. When in crisis mode, I mean, this is, I think, the golden nugget of this entire conversation. In crisis mode, people just want to be heard. So if you have that person there, the actual human who can say, I hear you. I'm so sorry. We're going to get this fixed for you either right now or we're going to get this fixed for you. And I'm, I'm escalating this to the internal team, which will be back to you by tomorrow. That's really what people want. They just want to be heard when they're having that little outburst on Twitter. Just acknowledge, you know, it's, it's super, super important. This is really cool as well, because I remember writing a piece of copy for a, a page the other day and it said, just send an email to this email address and it will open a support ticket and somebody will get back to you from my support. I thought, I'm so in that it's a long way of saying in that yeah. business, I'm selling B to C. And I was like, these people don't know what this is. They don't know what a support ticket is a lot of the time. Anyway, this is really, really cool. And the other thing, of course, is we can't assume that everyone who's going to get in touch is on the page where we're going to give them instructions about how we want them to get in touch. So I suppose actually the big sort of mind blowing moment for everybody here is like, we actually have to realize that if we have social media channels, we have to expect that people will get in touch with us on them. There's a siren going past. So if you can hear that, we'll wait and edit this out. <laughs> Someone has a Twitter emergency. Yeah. yeah we'll edit that out, I think. They must have realized they got close to the office and then they turned it off. It was a podcast. <laughs> a free market is not. Yeah, no, no. Right, I'm going to go with that bit again. <laughs> Daniel can edit uh, this, if that's all right. Um, so, yeah, I think... We have, I th yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come in and wrap that up and then we'll okay. go from there. Okay. I think we have to realize that if we have these channels that we're using for our sort of like outbound marketing to get people to pay attention to us, we have to assume people are going to respond on them as well. But have you noticed there's any evidence of sort of like increased customer satisfaction, et cetera, from handling support? Are you, are you able to diffuse a situation faster or what's the, what's the benefits, I suppose? I'll give you a really cool, another really cool story from another client of ours. We, uh, they're a global uh, luxury appliance brand, but we only do their uh, U.S. social. Mm -hmm. And um, what was happening, we, we were using social listening as part of their customer care service to kind of, again, find um, those negative sentiment uh, areas. And what we found was we kept hearing that people couldn't figure out how to um, service a particular appliance in there. So for, for the example, we'll just say they couldn't figure out how to change the coffee filter in their coffee maker. So we went back to the client and we said, we made the suggestion, like, look, we're seeing a lot of sentiment around this. Do you have any visual videos where someone could watch a video on how to change the coffee filter? They said, no, we suggested that they make that piece of content and put it on the website. Because you have to think about as a consumer, what mm -hmm. the consumer is doing. What do I do when I can't change my coffee filter? I go to Google and I look for a video on how to change my coffee filter. Um, so that content wasn't there. So once we were able to put that content in place, that first step was getting, you know, the problem was getting solved without them even having to come make the complaint. So we did see sentiment improve and actually go away for this particular product or problem once we were able to have that specific content online. And how long do you think is acceptable for somebody to have to wait, especially on something as fast moving as Twitter? Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, like, do you have like, do you have a goal? It's like we yeah. our target is within like 32 seconds. Yes, we actually have, that's another thing that we work with on clients. Some of our client KPIs are 10 minute response times, um, okay. which we've been able to meet amazingly, but we're not on 24 seven. So my, my, my message, I guess my, my advice would be, you know, 
what is possible? You, you don't want to under-deliver. You always want to over-deliver. So if you think an hour is possible, then make it two because then you're constantly saying, we'll be back to you within two hours during these hours, you know, during our office hours or support hours. And then if you're back to them within an hour, you're constantly over-delivering. Yeah, so, it's always nice to be seen. Yeah. It's like there's an airline who constantly over-quotes how long it'll take to fly from one place to another so that they always arrive early. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I know it, I know it's like tricky and it's, it's a spin and it's PR and some people won't like it, but I mean, you have to deliver. So if you say it's going to be 10 minutes, it better be nine. Do you, do these KPIs in terms of the reply, the response time, do they change across other, across the different platforms? Because I feel like different people's expectations, for example, on a LinkedIn message to go wild <laughs> would be different in terms of speed compared to a tweet that I expect an instant thing back compared to an Instagram compared to a Facebook. Do you have, do you change them across the thing or is it generally for that business you expect a certain level? Yeah. For us personally, because all of those um, channels are included in what we do, we pick the one time. But again, I would say if, if you're doing this internally and you're kind of, you know, bootstrapping it together with the people or the resources that you have, just be honest, you know, on Twitter, it's, it's this long on LinkedIn, expect a week, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. I think just be honest and then make sure that you're constantly over delivering. Yeah. Yeah. I love so that. Cool. I love that. You know, if it's on my space, expect to get into the DeLorean. And <laughs> now yeah. we have, uh, expect we've, our we... response time, wait time to be never. <laughs> we've decided I hope we don't misquote that out of context <laughs> for the tease of this episode I love that guess what she said we're gonna uh, we're gonna interrupt this uh, for our first game of the episode now as you probably know we always have one particular game that is themed around our guest and we've got a particularly good one for you today yeah this, this is Rob's responsibility today ladies and gentlemen and Kennedy was in a meeting and he said could you focus on the game for Brooke's podcast episode I said of course what, I can what the hell did you come up with Rob so I said well obviously Brooke has a company called B Squared Media. This episode, by the way, comes with a free shoehorn. For it does. All, all. It does. A B, B Squared Media. And so I was thinking, well, could it be about maths because you square things? I thought, no, that's, that's going to get a bit, bit dull, isn't it? And then I thought, what else could it be? And I thought, I know, B Squared Media. So let's have a quiz about bees. About bees, because bees. Yes. Honey bees. Honey bees. So, I like it. Yeah. Okay. So B Squared Media. And this, call, this quiz is called To Be or Not To Be. So we're going to give you some facts or some statements and your job here, Brooke, is to guess whether or not you think they are to be, no, that's true, or not to be, in which case they're false. So here's a fact, fact or statement number one, is it to be or not to be? One bee has to fly 90,000 miles, not sure what the kilometers are on that, 90,000 miles to make one pound of honey. To be, I would say true. It is true. It is to be. Excellent. The next one. An average bee will only make one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its entire life. Oh, I say not to be. False. It's true. The poor little things, they work their little wings off. It takes 12 bees to make one teaspoon of sugar. Can you, uh, honey, can you believe it? Huh. Yeah, there you go. I know, man, that new respect for that jar of honey, isn't it? <laughs> the third one, to be or not to be, a bee's buzz is made by flicking its legs up and down really, really fast. <sighs> not to be false. It is false. It's its wings that have to yeah, actually flap almost 11,500 times a minute to make that lovely sound. <laughs> the next one. Male honeybees do most of the work. Is that true or false? True. It's not. Actually, they hardly do any work at all. They're just made. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hard they, life. They just they just make all the time. They don't even have a little stinger thing. Okay. <gasps> I know. Next. Next one is the bee's brain is oval in shape. Oh my god. Uh, to be true. It is to be. It's about the size of a sesame seed as well, I found out from is my, from my Googling. That yeah. seems awfully big. That's great. Yeah, next. The honeybee will visit 50 to 100 flowers during a collection trip. Sounds like it's doing uh, charity work, doesn't it? <laughs> to be true. It is true. It, is, it sounds like it's called like the long way around all the supermarkets to buy all the different <laughs> things, doesn't it? Very bee, particular bee. Number seven. Bees have no sense of smell. Oh. <sighs> Uh, not to be false. It is false. They actually have one of the best senses of smell when they've got actually 170 receptors so they can sniff things out. Uh, bees can dance in order to show each other to where the best food is. Ooh, I actually know that's true. They do dance to show each other where the food is. It is to be, and it's the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> that bit's not to be. It's actually Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> thriller. The average worker bee will live for just 12 weeks. Oh, but with your help. <laughs> <laughs> and a pound a week. <laughs> Is that true or false? I think it's true. It's not. They only live five to six weeks. Oh, that's so sad. I know, isn't it? In a Finally, this is the last one. In ancient Egypt, people used to pay their taxes with honey. <sighs> true? It is true. It's absolutely true. There you go. I think that was six out of ten. We weren't ha we were having so much fun we didn't really count, but it, I think I it think was six out, six out of ten. I used my fingers, and I think I have six fingers up. <laughs> six, six out of ten. Lovely. Very nice. So, so back to social media kick, then. Kick, dragon it kicking and screaming. I, I think the game was a riveting success, was, by the way. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm buzzing off the back of it. Anyway. Come on then, honey. And, oh, that was awful. That was absolutely awful. Yeah. Right, flower. <laughs> it's the other thing my gran would say come on flower and she's dead um, so, <laughs> she wouldn't say it at all it's not true what do, I've, I've interacted with some brands on, on Twitter where I've had a problem I'm, I'm not mentioning what kind of brands they are but I've had a problem with the service but, and their response has diffused the situation using kind of wit I mean, that's like a terrifying thing. I go, let's, if somebody's really pissed off, we're going to reply to them with a bit of wit. Where do you stand on using wit? I, again, it's really up to the brand or the client, but I would be so careful. Our go-to is just to fess up mess, when we mess up and to use names. Fess up when we mess up. Yeah, use names. I mean, people love the sound of their own name. So if you can say like, oh my gosh, Rob, we are so sorry this happened to you. Let me get with you in DMs so we can get this cleared up as fast as possible. Right. I love that. I love that. Which, funnily enough, brings me up my next question, which is at which point do we move them over from the public conversation in the at replies into the DMs? We usually try to do that ASAP just because you never know where the conversation is going to go. People are variables, right? So there's no way to know what people are going to do or say. So we try to get that done as quickly as possible, which doesn't always work. Um, but, uh, you know, if there's sensitive information involved, like an account or a phone number or an email, that's usually the best way to get people to move over. So like, hey, we really need your phone number or your email to get this done. Let's move over to DMs so we can get that sensitive information from you and we can get this solved as quickly as possible. 
Mm. And do you find that most of those problems are then solved in the DMs or is it most of the time you say, actually, we get, we need to get this person now that we've sort of diffused the initial situation and we've made, you know, made them realize we're going to take care of them. Now we need to get them onto email or now we need to get them onto the phone or can you try and solve it in the DMs? Is the aim to solve that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it just depends on, like we said, like with that custom response workflow, if it's something that's green and we can take care of, we'll obviously take care of it right away. And a lot of times it is, it's like a, a sizing question or a return policy or you know with a financial client um it's a lot harder just because there's more sensitive information involved with people's um, finances and, and bank accounts and whatnot so more all of, all of the the yellow or red issues in that situation have to get moved to the internal team because we are not we're not touching anybody's sure. private information with a 10-foot pole Mm -hmm. What's interesting here, I think, is there's two ways this can come about. One of them is that somebody will tweet at you. So they would tweet at, you know, at Response Suite to get in touch with us. And they'd say, hey, at Response Suite, um, I can't remember my subdomain for my account. How do, I, how do I find it again? That's one thing. The second thing would be they could take that and they could just go and tweet it out onto the internet. In other words, not directly at us, which means Correct. they might not even be mentioning us. Like they might not, they might literally yeah. just be ranting and complaining onto the internet. They don't use our Twitter handle, which means we don't even know it's there unless we're doing something about it. So I suppose um, they, they may not necessarily be so tweeting expecting, expecting us to get yeah. back in touch. So what should we be doing in order to monitor and keep an eye on the fact? Because like I said, like the, 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 that's a bloody big place. The terrifying thing about this is if, 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 the, you know, if we didn't use Twitter, for example, we didn't have a Twitter account, we're never using it particularly, then we really don't know what's going on, right? We, we have to just... So we're talking about social it. listing, aren't How we? do we start doing this social yes. You hit the nail on the head. Social listening. I think people miss this very first crucial step to customer care, which is in our, our philosophy is all customer care must, must include social listening. So some sort of social listening tool, because then, you know, people may not even be mentioning the brand. They may, they may be mentioning the unicorn necklace, the rose gold unicorn necklace. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with our brand name, but if we set up our listeners for our products, our brand, um, even our, maybe some people in our C-suite or the owner of the company mm. or the celebrity face or whatever it may be, those listeners will help us then join those conversations. We're pulling much more data points there too. So we can dig deeper into competitor information, industry information, um, sentiment on all kinds of different conversations and verticals. So, you know, I think step one is to start with that listening tool, get and gather all of that data. And then you can really start to fortify and see, you know, a plan coming together on how you're going to attack areas that need attacking and how you're going to highlight the great areas. Because one of the wonderful things about customer care and social listening is all of the user generated content mm. that you can use to highlight how and where your brand or product has done its job. I love what you said there about having more social listening on rather above and beyond just the product name or the company name, but you talk about key people in the business. If, for example, Rob and I are obviously the face here at Response Suite and, and the podcast. So we should have social listening set up for our names as well. So that if we're mentioned, maybe somebody saw us speak or they listened to the podcast, and they mention us, but they don't tag us because they don't put those things together. So we might have three marketers podcast as a, as a thing it's listening up. Yeah. So. Or 3M or three marketers. Yeah. Or hashtag, all those kind of things. And that means we can be listening and, and not just using them to, to, to help people who are frustrated, annoyed, or, or having a tough time, but also to just give people a high five, just give people that, that sort of 
digital high five of thanks for that shout out. Please do enjoy it. So there's more in a customer care than just dealing with people who are upset. There's also the complimenting people and saying, oh, you bought that nice jacket from us. It looks great on you. Exactly. I think we get so caught up in the negative side because obviously the forward facing side of customer care on social is quite negative, but there's so many positive roads you can go down with customer care and listening. And like I said, I mean, even informing your content marketing strategy through some of the things that you um, uncover with customer care and social listening. Yes, absolutely. And that's really interesting to think about informing the content marketing, of course, because now you've got testimonials you're collecting, you've got case studies, you've got some nice stuff to show in presentation slide decks or investor decks or something going forward, if, if that's your bag as well. I love the idea you gave earlier of, you know, somebody's, if somebody's tweeting or asking a question that's actually really easily answered, then you can create a video about that thing and make sure you stick it somewhere where they're likely to find that first. That's yeah, what, I mean, really internally, cool. we use a fabulous tool called Loom. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's really great for just clicking a button, which is like a browser extension, and we can very quickly make someone a video which shows them how to do that thing in the software, for example. It's absolutely amazing. So mm. you'll do that and give, have yourself the tools to be able to do that. Speaking of tools, actually, do you want to give, just give us a quick rundown of the, of the sort of the tool set, the tech stack that you would recommend if we're going to really do a good job of this? Yeah. So, I mean, with our team side and customer care and social listening, um, with social listening, we use Sprout Social, which is okay. what we use really for all of our social media management. So they also help us do the regular management of social as well as they provide us with the social listening tool that we use. Uh, for project management, all of our team members are inside of a tool called Basecamp. And uh-huh. we, we have the client side version of Basecamp, which means that we also, if the client is inclined, we can invite the client into Basecamp. So instead of like a thousand emails back and forth, we can actually have conversations right inside of Basecamp and get things that's done. That's cool. That's a great yeah. idea. Using that, that. <laughs> that's a great idea. I never would have thought about inviting the clients into projects within your project management tool. I love it. That's great. Yeah. So and cool. They, you can decide what the client sees and what the client doesn't see. So there are things that you can keep, you know, team specific. And then there are things that yeah. you can uh, make client forward facing. So this is massive for any of us who do any kind of coaching, any kind of consulting to keep, because one of the, it's, what we've just been talking about really is about acknowledging people and net, people, letting people know where, what's going on. So there's not just like dead air and quiet and tumbleweed yes. going over. If they can see the progress of a project, you know, all this amazing customer service and customer experience and user experience stuff is really great that we've been talking about. But really, if they can see where they are in that process, that this account's now being set up and now we're testing this and the things are being checked out, bringing our clients into our, into our project management is, is a bloody great idea. Yeah, this is very you know, cool. One of the cool things that we uncovered, you know, bringing the clients in and kind of like pulling back the, the wizard's curtain. Totally they start to understand how much work goes into it. They actually start to understand the value behind what you do, which is huge. Yes. Yeah, Um, it's so easy. I mean, if you had a a new website designed, we all know that if we've outsourced our website, we can all go, ah, what have you done? And then if you go and try and look, if you watch somebody develop that thing, all those (laughs) little tiny pieces take a long time, don't they? And we can't appreciate that. Right. And I think the the last tool that's really big for me, because um, now that we're seven years in, I really don't do the day to day anymore. I I more focus on sales and operations is I use a tool called Nimble. It's a Nimble CRM and I use it to help me with all of my sales forecasting, social selling, um, keeping in contact with my network, uh, things like that. So 
those are, I think, the three biggest tools that we really rely on to get the job done. I think this is great for us to just pull out of this, the fact that actually at the minute, we're assuming that all customer support is handled when somebody follows our current customer support thing. And now this actually to actually reach out to us and complain at us. Yeah, to have a bit more of a 360 approach to it is constantly listening out for things you can respond to and constantly engaging. Can you imagine how much more powerful it is? And I've just, I've never thought about it. So this is me speaking to myself, really. So excuse me while I wax lyrically for a moment. <laughs> But when, if, if I just have a little bit of a bitch on Twitter because that thing wasn't very good, the ice cream was terrible. And you're thing. not expecting anything out of it. And I'm not expecting anything out of it. I've just gone, oh, I've been to Doodar's ice cream and oh, it was terrible. I didn't tag at Doodar's in there. But then I get a reply from somebody at Doodar's. Doodar's is entirely fictional. Any likeness to any real company called Doodar's ice cream is entirely unexpected. Yeah, please don't call it ice cream place Doodar's. It's a terrible name. <laughs> uh, please, please, yeah. But, but then I get a reply from Doodar's going, we're really sorry. Like, that's a nice surprise. Where, and because there's, there's no expectation, that's an opportunity to go above and beyond. Whereas if I tweet at you and complain, damn right I expect a reply. I'm right. sorry you didn't like our ice cream. We were entirely fictional. By the way, I love, yeah, yeah, I love Doodah's ice cream. <laughs> so we're going to interrupt proceedings a second time to play our second and favorite game of the episode. Now, here's how it works, Brooke. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you now, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British <laughs> pub singer. And that means that some of the words will be quite difficult to understand. Your job, Brooke, and of course, dear listeners at home, is simply to guess what song Kennedy is singing. So without further ado, oh. take it away. <laughs> Colin's laughing in the office. He must have, did you get it? Oh, no, he hasn't got it. I thought he might have got it. Sorry, I, I don't have it. I'm like, I was so enthralled by the singing that I couldn't even think. Is that beautiful? Was that the I mean, last gorgeous. bit. I've reached a new high. Like I'm at the peak of my career. The last bit, specifically, I'm going to point at the lyrics. Yes, yes. Last bit sounded much more like impressive than it does in the real song. So there well, you go. I, know, I thought you've got to like, you've got to go beyond. Yes. Any idea? I, I, I'm at a loss, you guys. <laughs> That was Casey and the Sunshine Band, Walking on Sunshine. Just give us a Walking on Sunshine, Whoa Got it now, haven't you? Yeah, there you go. That's it. Right. makes so much sense. Hindsight really is That's 2020. <laughs> there we go. So what I want to know is, where do, where do the other bit of this fit in, which is reviews? Because obviously the other way that people can say their piece is mm. they can buy or engage with a service. They can say that it was good, bad, or indifferent. Or they can decide it was good, bad, or indifferent and decide that actually rather than trying to get any customer support out, they're just going to go and slam you on Google reviews or something. So where does that fit into our social listening? Yeah, we do a lot of that as well. And um, it's funny, you can tie some reviews into like Twitter, for instance, Twitter works with net promoter score, which is um, NPS. Mm -hmm. And you if you're having that DM conversation that we were kind of mentioning earlier on Twitter, and you've solved the problem, you can actually send them an NPS um, scorecard through your DM on Twitter and allow them to rate how the conversation went. You know how oftentimes you'll reach out to support and it'll say, hey, how'd your conversation with Brooke go? Was she able to fix that or whatever? And you have the star rating. The same thing you can uh, do with NPS through Twitter. So it's really interesting to see brands kind of incorporate that into their customer care. 
Um, and I think the brands who are into customer care and really understanding that this is kind of a, a new frontier mm. are definitely looking at reviews as a whole part of the program. And we've got it. We've got it. You know, we really have to integrate that whole bit. It's not just about dealing with the ugly stuff, as we said. It's dealing with the good stuff, this too. This has been really mind-blowing for me. This, this is brilliant. Absolutely amazing. I think the only way we can make it better would be to rush, run, do not walk into the quickfire round. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Do not pass go, do not collect 200 pounds. (laughs) Brooke, give us a book that you recommend. I'm in my second reading and really love Mark Schaefer's latest book called The Marketing Rebellion. Mm, Love that book and a great cover too. What's your top success habit? Something that you do regularly? For me, it's really about being organized. So I know uh, before my week starts what my week looks like day to day. And I also know based on Nimble, thank you, Nimble, who Mm. I need to reach out to in my network and keep on top of for Mm. sales and networking. Mm. Love that. Just makes you feel calm inside, doesn't it? Give us a marketer or an entrepreneur that you look up to. One of my favorite marketers is Jen Herman of Jen's Trends. She actually does all of Jen's trends on the side and has a full-time marketing job and is a single mom. So I just think she's really holding it down and I appreciate her woman to woman. Love that. Love that. I know we already talked about some of the apps that we should be using to do this stuff, but what is your favorite app that really runs things for you or that you would really recommend to others right now? Oh, God. (laughs) I know. I know. It's tricky. Uh, For me personally, I guess if we're talking about me, it would have to be nimble because again, that's how I manage all of the sales that I do for B squared media. So, I mean, they have this little like star function and keep in touch function. So again, I can um, mark people as an important and I can also mark them um, as people I need to follow up with and then set a timeframe in which to follow up with them. So it kind of like automates that whole like networking and sales process for me, which makes me organized, which makes me hit my numbers, which makes B squared a better company. Love that. Love that. Big important question now, Brooke, who do you like more red haired Rob or platinum haired Kennedy? Uh, You know, I think I would like you guys much better if y'all switched. So if it was platinum Rob and red haired Kennedy, I would be flying over there to come. I wouldn't be seen dead with his hair. (laughs) No, that's a great answer. Very, very creative. It's one of the most original answers we had. Finally, Brooke, tell us, where can we all go to find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure. You can go to bsquared.media. We're a not com. So go to dot media, M-E-D-I-A, and you can find out all about our team, myself. You can find all of our social handles and uh, definitely you can find that button to reach out for support through an email. <laughs> Hooray. Bsquared.media. That's the place to be. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a great time and I love your games. I just love the idea of taking away another place I've got to log into, Hello Support Desk, and be able to use the existing channels where we actually meet our audience where they are. Yeah, and it's also a really great way. I love, you know this, I love anything that allows us little folks to play like the big boys do, to play like the big businesses do. Because, you know, like I said, I've dealt with some huge issues with PayPal and airlines and social media platforms like LinkedIn entirely through the DMs. 
Yeah. And I that's just that. a great place to be, isn't it's it? Absolutely great. I'd love to read your experiences and how you think you might apply this. Or do you agree with us? We should be moving people away from support desks and email on the social in the way we talked about in this episode. Or do you disagree with us? Have you had other experiences? Let us know by leaving us a comment or a review over on the old uh, podcast player, wherever the heck you're listening to this. So go to your podcast player, wherever you listen to it, pick it up right now and just leave us a little review. We'd love to know what you think of the episode and think of the show in general. It really would help us. Oh, yes. Where can we find the show notes, Rob? It's all online for you. Just head over to blog.responsesuite.com forward slash 073. It's all over there for you. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. If you haven't already, before you go, remember you should subscribe. Don't miss a thing. thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.